welcome to the 158th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So Roger Dish is the uh, gift that keeps on giving. They are back in the news with regards to the 800 megahertz spectrum they want to buy from T-Mobile, but not quite yet. So can you tell us a little bit about the new developments on that story? Well, Dish was supposed to to buy the spectrum by like now, right? Well, they had an option to buy the spectrum. The option to buy it now for three billion or so or not to buy it for 72 million. And Dish, which is a little bit financially in a tight spot, that's why they are merging with the also Charlie Ergen controlled EchoStar, said, yes, we would like to buy it, but the economy turned against us, so the interest rates turned against us, financial markets turned against us, we would like to buy it, but we can't right now. We need an extension. T-Mobile came back and said, like, why, right? There's no provision in the agreement to... Well, they, they went further than that, right? Didn't they say they had other people that were interested in it? Well, that was the next one, right? First, they said, like, you know, there's nothing in the in the contract that says exogenous impact, like you're not getting your financing together when you could have and interest rates, so what, right? Said, like, we have other people interested in this. We would rather sell it now than later and stick to the letter of the agreement. And the DOJ just said, we agree with DISH, and they should have an extension to buy this. Well, the DOJ is involved because that was part of the merger terms was DISH's ability to buy this spectrum. Exactly. And you have to be in awe of Charlie Ergen and Jeff Blum's mind-bending powers to have the DOJ and the FCC give them adjustments and changes. And it's just amazing. So congratulations for them. They, they have more time. but the spectrum is sitting idle for more time. So it's only a little bit of spectrum, and I don't know what they want to do with it. It's 7 by 7 megahertz in most of the U.S. at the Canadian and Mexican border. It's half of that, and they can put their pilot on 600, and they're fine. Anyway, so congratulations to DISH. You did it again. You changed the unmovable power of the federal government and and made them, you know, the mountain came to the profit. Or put put another way, never never play Monopoly with Charlie Ergen. Yeah, I know. He might lobby to get the rules changed in the middle of the game. Yeah, exactly. It's like really, really, really impressive. Not sure it's the best public policy, but congratulations to Dish, right? Yeah, so we also uh, AST made their first 5G call. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so everybody's working on satellite as as a way to contact to regular phones and AST did the first call 
using a 5G phone in a dead zone on Hawaii. I would love to be on a dead in a dead zone to Hawaii. So next time you do something in a dead zone in, in Hawaii, please invite me as a guest. I will witness it. You can come as a guest on the show. It doesn't have to be wireless, by the way, in that dead spot. I'll, I'll still come. So congratulations. First 5G call. So they're on the right path. They have to be on the right path because they still have to raise money, a lot of money. And that's because the satellite end of this, the, the satellites have to be quite large to make this this work just from a physics perspective, yes. correct? So, right, physics don't change for you, right? You can't cheat physics. And so to have a regular phone receive a call from space, either the phone antenna needs to be big or the satellite needs to be big. And they put, like, the largest antenna array for a low Earth orbit, meaning like 500 kilometers up, up there. And that's how they can get enough power so that it hits your phone and that it can pick up from the phone, right? It's like a huge listening device trying to pick up your thing. And that works the best in a dead spot, which is where it should work best, right? And so it can pick up that whatever 5G phone that they use to connect space. Right, and this is a little bit different from you know the functionality, for example, that Apple offers on their devices where it's kind of an emergency thing and it may take 10 or 15 minutes to get a text message out. This is an actual 5G voice connection, correct? Yes, and they have shown that it works for video with a 4G connection. So that's because the satellite is so huge with the antenna so huge. The reason why with the regular iPhone you can only do like, you know, very slow Morse code or, or like SOS messages, right, is the satellite that's up there, the, the antennas are, are much smaller. And so the data speeds are much, much lower. But yeah, so they've, they've done well too. So the, the final thing I want to talk with about, and, and, and I think this needs a little bit of an introduction, one of the things that we do here at Recon is a lot of almost like Kremlinology about what all of the different carriers say at these investor conferences. And so we you know, listen to all of the interviews these folks give. Uh, we, we take detailed notes on them and we compare over time the benchmarks that you can get out of these types of presentations. And one of the things that you, you noticed Recently, and I thought it was really interesting, we went back and we looked at a couple of the transcripts for talks that folks at Verizon have given recently about their C-band and deployment. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you found? Yeah, so, well, we, we both found, right, is, you know, Hans Vesberg spoke at it first at the Goldman Sachs Investor Conference. They just paid a king's ransom to the satellite companies to vacate the spectrum early. And my expectation was that Verizon was diligently working all this year, now that because they have the spectrum nationwide, that they would have a nationwide C-band footprint because you can put antenna up on, on towers all you want as long as you don't turn them on with the spectrum that you don't have. but my expectation was they were busy, busy beavers 
putting all these antennas up, they get the spectrum, they turn it on, and it's nationwide, and wham, right? And then Hans said, like, oh, yeah, we turned 25% of the spectrum on. And I'm like, what? You pay the king's ransom to get these guys off quick. And you turned on 25%. Well, there's there's some degree of ambiguity here too, right? Because when, when Sampath and Tony Sciatis talked at the Bank of America conference several days later, they said something similar, right? That there's still it's still going to be a couple years for them to deploy C-band, get it all, all figured out. But when you look at their CapEx guidance, it's not formal guidance, but they've effectively said that they're back to a business as usual CapEx spend of 17 to $17.5 after a, a, an incremental $10 billion to deploy C-band. The two things don't line up, right? So on one hand, they're saying we haven't, we've only deployed twenty percent of the spectrum. On the other hand, they're through their kind of capex increase in order to deploy C band, and now we're back to business as usual. So did they run half the marathon and then really quickly, and then decide they're going to jog the rest? It's, it's it's an open question, right? On and on top of it, right? When you look at their spectrum ownership in C band. In rural America, in tons of rural America, they have 200 megahertz of spectrum. 200 megahertz of spectrum where you have a bunch of farms, a bunch of villages, small towns, and a lot of cattle, a lot of bears and wolves, right? 200 megahertz of spectrum gives you four gigabits of speed. If they would have come in early, they could have preempted that whole beat deployment that's going to start soon, where 40 plus billion dollars gets poured into it and could have like scorched the earth, especially for the very rural places where they could have cleaned up, right? Put it on your. AWS grid, what what controls like every carrier's. So every carrier builds cell sites according of how the AWS propagates and then attenuates up and down on, on power. Roughly speaking, I know the details are slightly different, but that's roughly how it works. And they could have just popped them in and have like several miles of coverage around the highways and could have especially cleaned the little rural carrier's clock. Because this is always about beating up the little guy. This is not about taking away FWA customers from T-Mobile in, in Montana, because there are none, or almost none. But it's about going to town against the little ones. And I'm not just flabbergasted, right? And it would be so much harder. Well, now, now all those little guys are going to get, presumably could get bead money and be a lot harder to kill down the road. Well, they're going to get bead money, but they will be a lot harder to beat. Right. And here you could have gone like speed to market. And I'm just flabbergasted. I'm like, really? And then you pointed out to me, which I thought was like an incredibly insightful point about the pricing strategy. Yeah, so I mean, I think one of the things that was interesting is, you know, Verizon 
the wireless industry in general, but Verizon in particular has has done a fair amount of price raises over the last year. And obviously that's creative to EBITDA and everything else, but they're quite proud of that, right? And so the ability, the, the Sampath has effectively said, almost everybody in our entire base has gotten a price increase this year. So, you know, good for shareholders, maybe, maybe not for consumers. I think there's additional benefit to be had from, you know, deploying mid-band, things like that. But the other thing, you know, they were talking a lot about is, you know, the threat from cable. And as, as you know, cable sits on top of Verizon's network and sells at a much lower rate. And, you know, my basic perspective was that the more that Verizon talks about having the best network and then allows the cable companies to resell that network for you know, roughly a quarter of the cost, the better the value prop of the cable companies is, right? Like a quarter of the price. Right, a quarter of the price. The better the value of the prop of the of the cable companies is, is right? Because they, they can say, oh, well, here, we're reselling this, this gold-plated network that Verizon is building out, and it's fantastic by all accounts. And you, you, Mr. Consumer or Ms. Consumer, can get this for much, much, much less than if you go direct to Verizon. And on top of it, if you go to somebody like Charter, even the entry-level plan is never throttled versus our own plan, which costs more, is being throttled. Although, to be fair, the new My Plan, the premium plan is unthrottled. That's one of the key elements, right? Yeah, the, the super premium plan, right? I feel well, like it starts, it starts at $90 for a single line. Yeah, and at Charter, you can have... Have it for twenty five, right? Right, but I mean that's that's the thing, right? It's like the, the 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 larger the price differential between what Verizon is selling and what the cable MSOs are selling, the, the better it is for the obviously for the for the cable companies. Yeah. And so you know Verizon's price increases are I think accretive in the short term, but if you lose those customers, and as we know, uh, they've been losing accounts for quite some time now. Long term, I think this is a really serious pricing issue that they don't seem to be addressing. It seems to be going the other way. In the long run, we're all dead, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised that it comes from Sampath, who has, a, I expect, a much longer career path at Verizon than, than say, Hans. Well, I mean, in, in his defense, he did talk about bringing gross ad volumes up. I think that's the other part of the equation that's really been lacking at Verizon. But, you know, is our gross ad volumes not unrelated to price? I don't think so, right? So if you have a kind of full-spectrum approach to the market, for all the way from, you know, government-supported lines all the way up to ultra-super-premium type plans – at every level, you're going to be competing on price to some extent. Yeah, it's like, it's really difficult to get like, as a mass consumer product, right? This is not a niche product. This is not a Ferrari. I can see how if you're selling a Ferrari and you sell 200 or 300 of these a year, how you can raise volume by doubling the price because you're working with a price insensitive buyer segment. How that works with a consumer product where you're in a price continuum, the only way Verizon can, can get its volumes up and raising raise prices is if the other guys are following suit. To be fair, if I'm putting my Verizon hat on, right, T-Mobile has raised prices recently as well and still is doing quite well. So that may be the dynamic, and, and they talk a little bit about that. Is, you know, is it just that mobile has become such a huge part of people's lives that you can keep on raising prices over time. 
I'm not sure there's not going to be insurgents out there that are that are going to try to undercut you if you start doing that. I, I expect insurgents to come out of the woodwork. Right. 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 So the other thing that was interesting is when they were talking about kind of their tiered marketing strategy, they named Total Wireless as the mid-tier option. I don't necessarily think of prepaid as, as being a, a, a middle-tier option for wireless, but particularly with you know the distribution they have right now. They, they mentioned 750 stores on the way to 2,000. That's still not enough, I think, to take care of, mid, of mid-tier. And I'm not sure I would do that with prepaid. I expect well-heeled insurgents to come. <laughs> That's based on no information whatsoever. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have time for this week. Thanks, Roger. Thank you.